everybody. I am your host, Randy. I've got my regular partners in crime here. Guys, sound off when I mention your name. Tommy? Did he say anything? Olivia? I'm here. Uh, Madman? Hello. And I don't know where Enos is. Tommy, say something again for me. I'm not hearing you. Yep, I'm not hearing Tommy. Tommy has no audio. How was everyone's weekend? Pretty good. Good. Uh, Madman, do you hear Tommy? It's probably on Tommy, because if we hear Olivia, we should hear Tommy. Okay. Yeah, I'm hearing Olivia fine. I, I don't hear Jack from Tommy. Can you hear me now? I hear you now, and they're gone okay. again. All right, we'll just do the show without you. Uh, I don't know where Enos is, so it's going to be me, Olivia, and Madman tonight. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, look, man, we're not pushing Verizon here, okay? So, <laughs> uh, I just want to make sure. Want to make sure that we can hear you? All right, good. Uh, so, on to the news items. I've got uh, the first one, unfortunately, is a bit of sad news. Martin Pascoe, who was the writer for Superman and Batman animated series, as well as a whole bunch of other comics, uh, such as DC Comics Presents, Superman Family, Justice League of America, Wonder Woman, Saga Swamp Thing, as well as um, some other stuff, such as uh, Twilight Zone and wrote some episodes of Buck Rogers, the 25th Century, and Thundar the Barbarian, unfortunately passed away at the age of 65 the other day. Mm. Um, don't know if you guys know, he also wrote um, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and he won a Daytime Emmy for his work on Batman Animated Series, so that's good stuff. Nice, yeah. So, uh, lost a, It's a pretty good career there. Yes, it is. Um, Definitely. Lo we lost a, a great there. Uh, so, Tommy... Uh, I don't know, maybe it was last week or the week before. Remember I said Brian Michael Bendis had tweeted that there was going to be a huge surprise coming out of uh, Legion of Superheroes? Yes. I think we know what it is. Uh, he has tweeted... Matter Eater Lad. We already talked about this. No, it's not in Matter Eater Lad. Uh, he has revealed that um, in Legion of Superheroes 6, they're going to be introducing another Lantern Corps color. Oh. So I don't think they've actually told us what the color is. Uh, but it did beg the question here, going through the ones that we already have. Because uh, remember, the rings are supposed to be the emotional spectrum. Keyword here, emotion, right? So right. green is willpower, red is rage, orange is avarice or greed, yellow is fear, blue is hope, uh, indigo is compassion, violet is love. Everybody with me so far? We all agree those are emotions? Yes. yes. Explain to me the white and black lanterns. White is life, white is life black, and is, black death. is death. So when did those become emotions? Definitely strange. I can understand grief, but not death. Right. Because, uh, and, and, you know, when I was reading this, I was like, you know what? That is right. So those are not emotions, but we all just accepted it and moved on way back uh, during Blackest Night and what have you. So uh, San Diego Comic Con um, has actually announced on Twitter that they are also going to be doing their version of an online con, but there's actually no details yet. So I would say if you just go to their web page or look at their Twitter, um, they will probably reveal more information as they get closer to July when the con was supposed to be. Because remember, we were supposed to go to Awesome Con last weekend and they canceled, but they did something online instead. <laughs> so, hey, Tommy. Uh, this is not going to affect you, so don't freak out on me, okay? Marvel Comics, okay. Marvel Comics has announced it's shutting down its digital comic store. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that, but it doesn't have any effect on me, so... Right. It, it is not right. affecting uh, Marvel Unlimited. It is just affecting the actual 
uh, digital app on their store itself. Um, ironically, yeah. it says you can still buy their stuff on their app or on Comixology.com, which basically tells me that Comixology wasn't making enough money off of Marvel and said, hey, you need to throw us a bone. And so say, hey, we'll just get rid of them on our app. So, yep. Um, something else, too. Tommy, aren't you reading Thor? I, I haven't read it for a while, but yes, I was. Okay. And if I'm correct, uh, Olivia, that's only up to four issues right now, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they stopped. Because uh, Donnie Cates apparently has just said that um, he has huge plans for Thor and God of Thunder. And he mm -hmm. said that it's bigger plans than what he had for Venom. And I don't know if you remember this, but for Venom, he actually plotted out like a five-year um, synopsis for Venom. So... And he, he uh, said on a tweet that he responded to someone, like it or not, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So, so I liked his run on Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought it was pretty good. And I've, I've liked him on Thor so far. But well, he, I'm just, I haven't read Venom. I'm just not an, into Venom enough. He, he just, I don't know. He was just too, too much everywhere when I was in, a kid in the 90s. Well, he is the hot rider over at Marvel right now. So, and I know yeah, that, he is. And I know that you and like Thor. Yeah, and he is good. There's no doubt that he is good. Uh, but anyway, and, and the reason I asked Olivia if it was only up to issue four, because they also said that, I guess, issue five is going on sale next month. So, yeah, now would be a good yeah, time to go to your local comic shop, like, say, Gateway Comics and Toys, <laughs> and get issues one through four. Go ahead, Olivia. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I think they're still figuring out exactly what their dates are, that they're pushing everything back. Um, but, you know, it is starting up next week. That's that's the exciting part. Well, and that's actually a good point, too, because Diamond did confirm that they are officially resuming their shipments next week. Um, yes. Originally, I guess they had said it was a rumor or the uh, suggested date was May 20th, and now they come out and said, yes, May 20th is a go. So. Yes, they're starting with Diamond. Um, Marvel is still going to be another week or so. So Marvel's a little bit behind on their distribution. Or I'm sorry, not Diamond, DC. But DC books are coming out next week. Right. And they're also starting to ship out toys and other products. Yeah, uh, I had that here that they said they're going to be shipping the games as well, which kind of really surprised me because I think it would be faster to ramp a game company back up than it would be a, a comic company. So... But you figure yeah. how much of stuff was actually printed and was just sitting in piles somewhere, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many things, toys and statues that were supposed to be here by now and they weren't. So I'm sure they're just catching up in the warehouses first. Yes. So what, what is that? Oh, it must be Tommy. Uh, so <laughs> the, the DC Universe app, um, and ironically, I bought the subscription, what, maybe two years ago now and I haven't used it. Bad Randy. But they have announced a fan rewards program. Have you seen this? So, mm -hmm. so apparently it just started. And when is it going to run through? I, running through the fall. So you got all summer. Mm -hmm. Their DC Universe will be rewarding um, token points for participation on the website. Um, and they said it could be just as simple as uh, reading a DC uh, comic or a digital comic or watching a, a DC movie or a TV show on there or getting involved in a community section. So... And they actually do have a list of prizes they'll be giving away um, that you can redeem for your tokens. So if you don't have the DC Universe subscription, now is probably a good time to go get one. Or if you have, yeah, one, like, if you have one like me and haven't been using it... <laughs> might be a good time to do that. Right. 
Yeah, my, um, we've been watching Harley Quinn on on the sci- on Sci-Fi. My wife really got into it, so I had let my uh, subscription to DC Universe cancel because I wasn't using it a lot. So I might end up having to uh, to re up that because season two has started, and I'm pretty sure she wants to see it. So now I have a question: the one on Sci-Fi is season one of the Harley Quinn cartoon from DC Universe, right? It is. Is it edited? It's got to be edited, right? It is not. Really? Because there's F-bombs and gore all over that thing. And they, they drop the F-bomb in that like it's his job. Nice! Yep. At, le- at least we were watching it on demand on Contour. We weren't watching it actually on... Okay, um, now see, you on, have on the to... Actual- you have so, to specify from the beginning <laughs> that you were watching it on demand and not on broadcast television because there's but a world of difference. I see, <laughs> I see no reason why it wouldn't be because they're showing it late at night. They're showing it at like 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, if it's unedited on their on-demand, well, why wouldn't it be unedited on sci-fi, you know? Well, that's a valid point. But remember, years ago when they decided to show the South Park movie um, unedited, um, is it FCC? Um, FCC said, no, if you do that, we're going to fine you. And they said, okay, they paid up. Comedy Central said, okay, fine. They paid up front and said, we're doing it. So they were like, have at it. Yeah, but yeah, it... it what we were watching drops the f bomb like it's his job. It only it only blurred uh, bleeps out one word the entire time, and that's the c word. Oh, oh right. Well, you must have been... so they do they 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 bleep that out. Well, that's a pretty foul word. Now, um, well, must... I, I completely agree with them bleeping that out too. I, I agree with you. That is a foul word. I don't ever use that word. Uh, you must be further. Yeah, you have to be further ahead than me because I've only watched the first episode. Yeah, we've seen all of season one. I have all these shows on my laptop, which is like right here, and then I don't watch any of them. So I need to remedy that. Yeah, I definitely need to catch up on my comic shows. Yeah, Harley Quinn, I mean, it's it's not a bad show. It's a, it's, it's a good mindless show. You don't really have to, um, you know, pay a lot of attention to it. And um, the characters in it are pretty much not like they are in the comics. So there, there's no real similarity to their comic book personality at all. But right. it's funny. It's funny. I, I enjoyed it. Awesome. I love Clayface in it. I, I guess I'm probably going to have to go back and watch those. So, hey, did you hear this? Uh, I don't know how new this is, but this is the first I've heard of it. You are familiar with the science fiction and fantasy writers of America, right? The, the I've guys, heard of it. Yeah, the guys who vote on and give out the Nebula Awards every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have now voted to allow comic book writers to be in that membership. Okay. I hadn't heard that. That's awesome. So uh, apparently uh, a poll they sent to the members um, asked if they should um, allow to science fiction, fantasy, and horror writers if the comic books and graphic novels should be allowed for membership. And the response was yes. 95% of the members said yes. Like, awesome. Oh. So like less than 5% said no. So that's So here's what I'm wondering. Does that mean that we could see a comic book story very soon get a nebula? Good. I Definitely would, interesting. Yep. I, I, I read that and I went, huh, kind of surprising. But, you know, it actually makes sense because uh, a lot of science fiction and fantasy writers um, as kids, you know, cut their teeth on comic books. Um, yeah. So I'm actually going to ask Olivia if she's heard about this one. Uh that apparently it looks like DC may have actually now killed 5G. I have not. I've heard 
briefly, I know what you're talking about, but I haven't heard any details about it. Um, there's so many different rumors going around with how everybody's reacting to things right now. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with that. So apparently, I guess John Ridley was going to be doing the um, the new History of the DC Universe uh, miniseries or one-shots. Um, and mm-hmm. that got pulled from solicitation. Uh, but what wasn't known is that he apparently was also going to be writing the Batman relaunch that would um, put, um, oh my gosh, now I can't remember his name. Uh, not Terry McGinnis, but the uh, the guy who's the signal. It was going to put him as Batman and Bruce was going to retire. Well, apparently DC has now actually um, issued a kill fee, or, you know, or a, a um, stop work on it and that they've issued kill fees for the Batman relaunch. And apparently they're thinking they're doing that for all of the 5G line. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, one of the things that was supposed to happen is I guess they were going to announce John Ridley was going to be writing the new Batman uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, which is obviously not happening. But the plan was, I guess, that um, Tenyon was going to complete Batman up to issue 100, and they were going to watch Tommy now as he just grouses over here, relaunch for new number one. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that, that's when we were going to get the, um, the new Batman. But, uh, and Olivia, I don't think you were here when we were discussing this. Um, the rumor speculation was that there was two camps at D.C. fighting over this. Uh, Jim Lee and all the veteran writers who have been there for D.C. and been writing comics for years saying, this is not how you boost your sales. Your fans are going to hate this. You will lose them. And there was all the whole new Twitter generation, the guys who said, well, all your readers want hip new characters. But yet these were the same group who weren't even reading the comics who was telling DC, you need to reboot everybody and replace all your characters. Um, and this is who DC was apparently listening to, which is why we were going to get 5G. Uh, but yeah. it's starting to sound like cooler heads have prevailed. So, Well, I mean, if I've learned anything, it's definitely that the, the older classic stories, those are definitely more popular. Well, and I'm sure uh, you hear it all the time. I know I've done it um, in your store. <laughs> Uh, readers saying, what the hell are they doing this? Because uh, remember remember when DC um, Rebirth came out, we were all talking yeah. about how good Rebirth was and still complaining about Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, they just mess with things too much. You want your classic stories. You want your classic superheroes and the characters you grew up loving. And it just gets to a point where they do too much to manipulate it. Right. So, two more items here. In the who cares category or the uh, is that still happening category james cameron <laughs> has announced that yes the sequel to avatar is still going to be ready for a december 2021 release oh thank god <laughs> which which <laughs> fall, which i said falls into the category is that still going i thought those were dead yeah uh but by the flip side of that because if you're going to have it is that still going you got to have a thank god uh in the thank god category Disney had confirmed that the COVID-19 pandemic will have no delay on The Mandalorian Season 2. Okay, yeah, that's a great news. Definitely exciting. <laughs> so I, I yeah. read that. I'm like, huh, so one that we care about and one that everybody's going like, really? Who cares? Have you had a chance to, to see The Mandalorian, Randy? I, I have not. Uh, 
best Star Wars show in years. It's so so good. I'm just not a big so good. I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Um, and you've already heard me say I've got crap tons of stuff on my computer that I haven't watched still. I've got <laughs> I've got Teen Titans season one and two. I've got Swamp Thing. I've got Doom Patrol. Uh, I've got uh, Star Trek Discovery season one and two. I haven't watched any of these things yet. The last thing I need is another show cl clunking up hard drive space. Well, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely, of all the new Star Wars stuff they've done, it's been the best. You know, I have a lot of feelings about the, the sequel trilogy, but I love The Mandalorian. They didn't set the bar very high, not gonna lie. That is true. <laughs> but it is still really good. It's, it's, it's well done, if anything. Awesome. Uh, so that's the only news items that I ran through. Do you guys have anything that you saw? Uh, no, I think you covered everything. Yeah. I think I might just have to start getting all the news stories and start divvying them out so that I'm not the only one talking here. <laughs> you weren't the only one talking. We, we, we chimed in. Uh, so it is time for show and tell. Uh, but before we get to show and tell, I would like to remind our listeners who actually brings us show and tell, which would be Gateway Comics and Toys. Uh, Olivia, that is your cue. Gateway Comics and Toys. Um, so we're located in Fredericksburg, 2368 Plank Road. Um, off of Route 3, and right now we're kind of working on a limited schedule with everything going on, but we do have an online store. Everything's linked to our website, which is gets just gatewaycomicsandtoys.com. You can find all the information about what's going on in our store there. Awesome. And make sure you go and tell Ed that we sent you, or you can actually see Olivia. She's working there, too. I actually went there in, all the time. <laughs> I went in there last Wednesday, was talking to Ed, and Olivia walked by. I'm like, oh, hey. Um, so... My show and tell is actually going to be tied to today's episode, so I will go last. Um, who wants to go? Who's got something? I'll go. I'll go. This one is not as big as what last week's was, so just, you know, make sure you know. This is a comic that I always like. I, lo I love this I series. I love this cover. Way. It is Secret so Wars number one. Very cool. Yep. I always loved this one. I always thought it was a great cover. This is one of my favorite series ever, the whole thing. You know, fighting the Beyonder on Battle World, fantastic idea. Secret Wars 2, not so much. But Secret Wars 1, great. <laughs> well, and let's not forget that classic issue 8 where all the chaos is going on in the background and there's Spider-Man in that black suit. Yeah, I wonder what ever happened to that. What? Really? The black suit, I wonder what ever happened to that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Olivia, you got something for show and tell? I do. So I brought in... Growing up, I pretty much read one comic series, and it was always Spider-Girl. Nice. That was the one that I was just introduced for and influenced me the most. Um, I've always loved Marvel books. Move it, move it. There you go. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it definitely influenced me as a kid. Now that's it was exciting to read, uh, you know, a woman's point of view of the Spider-Man universe, basically. That's the Mayday Parker Spider-Girl, too, right? Yeah, it's his daughter. Yes, I actually... I actually really like that book, too. Uh, I, I think that was the only one, because that was in the M2 line when they did that, right? With the whole next generation of Avengers and um, Spider-Girl. And I can't remember who else. But that was the only book in that series I really liked. And I was ticked when Marvel killed M2. Yeah. All right, yep, so, it's pretty much the, the one series that I grew up just reading all the way through. It was great. Uh, so my show and tell, I actually have over there at Mad Men. Um, and it is, you're going to love this one, Tommy. It is Flash number 235. Oh, nice. Uh, and I will tell you, 
Uh, we'll come back to that when we talk to a, talk about uh, our subject tonight, uh, why I picked that book, because that is on my list of most influential comics, um, or at least for me. And in fact, that is our subject for tonight, guys. So we'll just go ahead and segue right into that. Um, influential comics, whether they influence the industry or the media or television, what have you, or just influenced us personally. So for me, my first one there, um, and this is actually a, a really important book for me, is Flash number 235. Um, it was written by Kerry Bates with art by Irv Novick. Um, I'll tell you why that book was is such a, a profound impact on me. Uh, that is when I went from being just a reader to a collector. Because at the time, I would still buy comics. I was reading them. I was keeping them in a pile. But that's the book that made me want to go back and find the previous issues and add them to the run. And wanted me to start keeping them in, in order and knowing the storyline. So the thing that was really great about that, about that is you get the Barry Allen Flash. You, and for me, this was also my very first exposure to the Jay Garrick Flash. Uh, my first exposure to Hal Jordan and Green Lantern and Vandal Savage um, and Earth 2. And it was such a great storyline um, because Vandal Savage even refers to something that happened to him earlier way back in Flash 216. And that's, that is the book that made me go back, well, now i got to find Flash 216 to see what he's talking about. But had this really great story. Uh, Barry Allen runs home. Super Speed was it. Now, I had read Superman and Batman and whatnot, and they were cool characters, but for me, Super Speed was the power. That was just fantastic. And it started with this issue where I was like, I would really love Super Speed. Um, and I got to see, there's so many great firsts in that for a first book to pick up. All those characters, not to mention, like in the third or fourth panel, you immediately see his ring opening up and his costume being shrunk down. Um, you see the whole Super Speed and the vibrating through the walls of the house. Um, and then, Iris is not there. You find out that Vandal Savage has kidnapped both Iris and Carol Ferris, and he has them prisoner. Um, he goes to Earth 2 to talk to Jay Garrick, along with Hal Jordan. He's like, you know, sorry, I got my own problems here. They go back to Earth 1. They defeat Vandal Savage to discover that he only had Carol Ferris in, a fer in his little fiery ball trap. There was no Iris Allen. And at the end of the book, you find out that Jay Garrick had actually taken Iris Allen, that when Vandal Savage got there, she was already gone. Um, now, here's the kicker. Of course, that was to be continued. And, and here you are as a kid reading this book. You've already met all these great characters. You've already seen these really great um, tropes of the Flash. Uh, and you find out that, wow, the supposed hero has kidnapped his wife. And unfortunately, because I was buying them, you know, at little convenience stores and 7-Elevens, there was no real um, collectible comic store, not like we have today. I didn't see 236 for 15 years. Wow. <laughs> because it took that long before I found a convention to actually pick up 236 to find out what happened to find out that it was continued into 237. <laughs> but yeah, for me, so that is why I bought that for show and tell because that is the, the book that, where Randy went from just reading them and putting them in a box to now collecting them and keeping them in bags and boards and, and getting all the back issues and completing runs. So... Who wants to go next? I'll go next. So I think we're going to talk about most influential comics. we got to start at the beginning. And that's Action Comics number one. You stole mine. Look at you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking about the most influential comics around. And this is by far number one. We would not have the superhero genre today if it hadn't been for this. Here's, so. my, here, you know, here's my problem with you taking this. I thought for sure you'd have picked a Marvel title. 
No. All right, fine. I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't have Marvel titles on my list, but I mean, like I said, you have to start at the beginning. And All right. this is where it starts. This is where this is where everything starts right here. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, Jer Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster creating Superman. That's where it starts. Well, here's what a lot of people don't realize. Uh, there were heroes before. Uh, you had the Phantom and Tarzan and, and Zorro and the Shadow right. and, and like Buck Rogers. The big difference between all of those guys and Superman is they were all human. Right. They were all regular people. They didn't have any special powers. They didn't have any special abilities. They were just, you know, everyday Joe. This is a straight visitor from another planet. Right. Well, and not to mention, there was original stuff being done in comic books. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, DC, more fun comics. And remember, comic books started off as just reprints of the Sunday funnies. Uh, right. National Comics was the one who said, let's see if we can't get original material to sell. Um, yep. New Comics was the first was the first title to have, um, you know, original stuff. So, yes, uh, you know, we had new comics, but Superman is the one where not only did we have new material, but we had an original character and kids immediately ate it up. I mean, and look at what it spawned. Um, the superhero genre explodes after right. Action Comics oh, yeah. 1. Everything explodes after this. I mean, you know, like I said, we would not have the superhero genre today if it hadn't been for Action Comics number 1 and the first appearance of Zatara. I mean, right. where would we be without that? Absolutely. Uh, so, edit. Well, again, look, we got Captain Marvel out of that, and I do mean the guy with the red suit and the yellow lightning bolt, not the the guy with the, the big red cheese, right? <laughs> uh, which at one point was out selling Superman, uh, and he yeah, and he was he, selling at his height. He sold a million copies a month, and Superman was a guy who started it all off with Action Comics one. Shazam wouldn't have been around to outsell him if Superman hadn't paved the way in Action one, right? So, right. hey, Enos, welcome to the show, hey, man. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up, everyone? So, we are discussing most influential comics. Since you were late, I'll let you take one. Okay. Or two, or three, <laughs> or ten. Well, there's one that stands out to me. Back in 1986, DC Comics was coming off of one of the biggest events in the history of the company with the crisis. Time out. Hmm? Tommy then stole one of mine. If you steal one of mine, I'm going to fire both <laughs> of you. No. Okay. I don't think I, I think I don't think I stole this one, and and needless to say, this was an impact that was felt for the remainder of the decade. To tell you the truth, now one of the one of the biggest impacts was we saw the end and the beginning of a new era, coincidentally of the same character that you were just talking about. In nineteen eighty six, we saw the we saw the end of. The nearly 40-year run of Kurt Swan being the artist on Superman with the Alan Moore tale, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. And you ask yourself. Hey, 40 years he was the artist on Superman? So he was from, uh, it was almost, I looked the dates up last night and I can't remember. I think it was from 1959, no, 1958 I think it was. No, 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 no. 1949. To 1986, but wasn't Wayne Boring doing? I think that's him. Wayne Boring was doing action then. I guess he was doing action, okay. but 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 like as the regular artist on Superman, Kurt Swan was the man. And then after Wayne Boring left, and then the different artists came on, he was doing double duty as the artist for both Superman and action. Okay, gotcha. So so you ask yourself, how do you how do you come behind? Such a legendary runner. You can't get any more legendary 
than 40 some odd years. No, you can't. That's amazing. And yeah. and and Dave and DC Comics not only answered the question, but they answered it in a big big way by putting on the character one of the biggest creators in the history of comics. I'm talking about John Byrne's run beginning with the oh, Man of Steel. Man of Steel, yes. With the starting with the Man of Steel and then carrying into his 17-issue run on Superman itself. Now, what made this so groundbreaking is that John Byrne took the most simplistic aspects of the character, and he focused on him. He focused more on the man than the super, and instead of making the, the, the main antagonist this supervillain, they made him what was what was perceived as the supervillain during that period, Wall Street. Right. And they made Lex Luthor a big businessman type, and it worked beautifully. And, and that image has stuck. They haven't gone back to the power suit until no. like recently with Fury the Villain. Exactly, exactly. And and, and 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 truthfully, it's probably Lex Luthor's most successful um, interpretation yet that has actually stood the test of time because they had him as a mad scientist for so many years and then they said, wait a minute, let's take that, Burns said, let's take that out and let's make him who we see as the villain now. And like everyone was, everyone was ticked off at Wall Street and everything so he took it and ran with it. And there's a classic case of how well that went over and how well uh, readers were, uh, adapted to it. In the Justice League cartoon, yeah, when Lex Luthor is, of course, the successful businessman, and you can see that he's running the world just by pulling the financial strings. And there's that great episode where Superman talks to him about you know tr you know trying to run for president, and Lex Luthor like president, you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president. Exactly. <laughs> but I think one of the best lines and which shows the long-lasting impact on John Byrne's run as Superman was in the pilot episode of Superman the Animated Series back in 96, at the very, near about the very end where you see Superman just hovering outside of LexCorp, and he, um, and Clancy Brown, who voiced Lex Luthor, gave a magnificent soliloquy, so to speak, on who Lex Luthor is. He said, you see, Superman... I own Metropolis. My will keeps it running, and its people, and three quarters of its people work for me, whether they know it or not. You have to admit, it's a model of efficiency. Yes. That solidified Lex Luthor for me. And, that, and by John Byrne putting his hands on it, if you really think about it, he made, like, he created a better character. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And, 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 and not to go without saying, his impact on Superman has been everlasting because people were so used to the super monkey, the super, all the super this, that, and what have you. And when Byrne cut that away, a lot of people were like, yes, we finally also, got what we're looking for. Also, too, in Man of Steel, didn't he bring back Ma and Pa Kent? And yes, he did. And, and not only that, he kept stupid, them. Why they gotta be you dead? saw Superman actually... 
He took away everything that we knew was Superman for the past nearly 50 years because, because he took over Superman two years shy of the character's 50th anniversary. So he went in and he changed some major things that made Superman Superman. And it reminded me of something that a sergeant of mine said to me when I was in the Air Force. He said... Niggas, there's nothing wrong with deviating from the recipe card as long as you make a better product. John Byrne proved that with what he did with Superman. Absolutely. That's a good pull. I actually totally would have forgotten about that one. Uh, what did I do over here? Hey, Olivia, what do you got? Well, I was just going to say, so first of all, I was going to talk about action comics. I know, Tommy. Um, you ruined it for everybody. Well, well I mean, you see, I you choice. It's, it's action comics. <laughs> But the one thing that nobody else mentioned, it's not just the influence of the story and the creation of the character. It's the influence of the book itself. It's now the single most valuable issue in history, and it's valued at, like, over $2 million. Uh -huh. I mean, can you imagine? Is that <laughs> so that? it's oh. definitely set not only, like, an industry standard for what all the other books are set at, but it's a highly sought-after collectible, and it kind of pulls into the like the whole world of how comic books are staying important in the world and yeah. <laughs> what is that CGC when it's a nine six, right? Yeah, yeah I believe so. I was trying to confirm. I know it's it's around or um around two point one million. Um but I mean things pop up all the time differently. But I think that's a good estimate about two million. Well well CGC has a great video. They may have taken it down, but when they were grading um, that famous cop, that now famous copy of Action One, that was like shoved in a in a in a footlocker and stored in a you know in the mountains for the last eighty years, uh, of them open it page by page to to grade it, and I mean, and they were white pages, like a wow. brand new off the shelf wow. white pages. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I, I peed a little watching that video. So. Well, I was gonna say, I mean, I've <laughs> you peed I've too? touched I a lot of really cool books, <laughs> but. Can you imagine just, it would scare the, it was so much out of me to just sit there and like handle that book. You, and you, I've, I've handled, I've, I've had a lot of comic books in my hands. Right. You know, every member of CGC stopped work for that hour or two just to sit just there watch and, and watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's the greatest? I would not want to be the person that graded it. Yeah. Oh, no. no. no oh, yeah. No. All right. So I have one. My turn. My turn. Um. Uh, and this is actually, I know Madman's just going to like roll over over there when I mention this. Um, and that is going to be Fantastic Four number one. Because, very simply, this is where the superhero went from everything is great and shiny. Oh, look, we beat the bad guy again. Let's go celebrate. Uh, and it showed us that they were people. Mm -hmm. They didn't. Their lives weren't perfect just because they put on tights and flew around the city and saved, you know, saved your life or, or kept a dastardly villain from destroying the planet again. Um, Fantastic Four um, set the pace for all the heroes to come after that because even DC went, well, damn. And so he's actually showing that they can make these heroes be believable and they don't have to get along and they can still be good guys. Right. Because um, remember, how does this whole thing come about? Is because Justice League was doing really good over at DC, and Goodman over at Marvel mm -hmm. told Stan Lee, "I want a team book like Justice League. Go home and write something." 
And Lee didn't want to do it. He hated comics. He wanted to get out of it. He wanted to get out. Um, And out of that hatred of the way superhero comics were done, he revolutionized the superhero. Exactly. And, and, And to add to that... His his late wife um, Joan, well, well, his wife Joan had a big impact on it. She said, "Well, do it the way you want to do it. Anyway, <laughs> you're going to leave anyway. Then do it the way you want to do it." Right. And and henceforth, we have the Fantastic Four, what went on to be the Marvel Universe. Well, remember, it's not only does it go on to be the Marvel Universe, but they up and DC as the number one publisher yeah. of comic books forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, even yeah. DC, let's be honest, they have good months and they have a few good years, but they have still not ever taken over the number one. Oh spot. no, they they they've never. Well, once Stan Lee introduced the characters that we're familiar with, the moment that they became as great as the DC characters were, you you couldn't identify with them. With the Marvel characters, even though they had these astronomical powers, you could identify with what they were dealing with because they dealt with what you dealt with. Well, uh, a classic point. Look at uh, Fantastic Four. Right. Johnny was a teenager and he had girl troubles. Yeah. Uh, the Thing had a problem of being accepted because now he didn't look like you and I and people still were afraid of, of, of things that didn't look like them. Reed and Sue were supposed to be, you know, the happy couple and they were fighting all the time because of their powers. Yep. Um, but I think that's another interesting point is that I kind of shifted from talking about just like your classic, here's the superhero versus a supervillain to talking about the stories that actually happen, the interactions between the team members. Right. And that was the other thing is... Let's, that's another thing that Marvel Comics and Stan and, and all those creative guys did. Suddenly, your villains had believable motivations. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't just out to conquer the world again. It looks like we lost Tommy. Olivia, what do you got? I'm back. I, I was having a little issue with my phone, so I'm back. Well, we moved on past you. I passed the torch to Olivia for her next influential comic. Well, fine. So <laughs> I'm jumping a little bit more... <laughs> Jumping a little bit more modern, because I feel like you can't talk about influential comics without talking about the Marvel Universe. So I brought in Civil War. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's not only a a very big event in the Marvel Universe, but it's one of the more popular MCU movies that came out a couple years ago. Um, And it really did shape, you know, the future of the Marvel industry. That's um, like every storyline that's going on now. It tied into Secret Wars, which you mentioned earlier. Um, it had a lot of different other tie-ins and sequels and definitely shaped the way that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, moved forward as soon as like the team broke up and everything. I won't go into any details to spoil the book. I will say that the comic books are vastly different than the movie, though. Well, it we, was definitely a loose adaptation. We actually just uh, reread that series um, for one of our episodes. Uh, but you're absolutely right, because what spins out of that is, of course, the whole... Uh, death, death, uh, or being Aunt May being shot, the the end <laughs> of Peter and Mary Jane's marriage. But along with that, also we get um, the whole split of the Avengers team. That we start getting the Mighty Avengers and the Initiative, and 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 also too that whole thing where uh, it leads to the assassination of Captain America, because yeah. during that book he realizes we're fighting for the wrong reasons. We're now fighting one another, and everybody has said, "Don't you guys?" You know, Joe Q. Public said. You are now the bad guy. We're no longer afraid of, you know, Doctor Doom or Ultron. We're afraid of you. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we spoiled the daylights out of it a few weeks back, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. We reviewed that puppy in depth. Uh, Tommy, influential. So probably one of the most influential for me was uh, was Spider-Man. I, that's what got me into that's what got me into comics and that's what got me into reading you know getting spider-man comics more so the old marvel tales reprints than some of the newer ones because you know spider-man was younger he was closer to my age at that point and you know personality wise we were well, peter parker and i were a lot more similar than what any other hero had been you know we we're both you know the quiet nerdy kid that you know got picked on and stuff not a whole lot but i did get picked on. you're still nerdy and so and i related on. What's that? I said, you're still nerdy and get picked on. Just by you, Randy. Just I, well, by I you. I tell Enos to lay off of you, but he doesn't listen. <laughs> my, my wife says I'm cool. <laughs> I guess that's all that matters. Right. Right. But, but yes, I was, I was able to relate to Peter, so I, I really enjoyed it. And that's what really, and, you know, like your Flash one, that's the one where that took you from being, you know, a reader to a collector. This is what got me to collecting. This is what made me want to read more and wanted me to, want, made me want to be a collector of comic books. Awesome. Which, by the way, I just totally, totally glossed over Madman. I know he's got an influential uh, comic that influenced him, and I know he brought it with him, too. Uh, actually, I want to talk about the other one. Okay. I think it's more influential. I'm sitting here debating. I don't, ha I don't really have a mic on me, but I, I, you guys can discuss it, because I'm sure you know why this book is uh, influential, and that's The Watchmen. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. What you guys take? Oh, yeah. Well... The, the great the, here's why Watchmen is so influential um, because and, and, and you know what it goes hand in hand with another one um, which would be um, Identity Crisis because it showed that sometimes the heroes have to do something dark in order to keep you safe you don't want to know it um, somewhere deep down in those places you don't want to talk about you need me on that fence oh sorry exactly. <laughs> but it's, a, it's the same type of deal um, you want me on that wall. The, the, heroes, that wall. the, the heroes are saying, uh, look, sometimes we have to get our hands just as dirty as a villain so you can sleep at night. And don't judge us if we have to. Um, but yeah, actually, and another one that, uh, and Mad Men, I, I have to actually pull yours out, the second one too as well, because this is, for a lot of people, oh, a pretty yeah. influential book. Um, it's the series Kingdom Come. Really good. That's a fantastic series. And that's another mm -hmm. one where you get to see what would the DC Universe be like if Superman just decides, I'm done. Because that whole story is he gets defeated. And he decides, I'm done with uh, fighting. You know, it's time for us to all to retire. The, the heroes' sons and daughters have taken over, as well as the sons and daughters of the villains. And they quickly demonstrate that they can't do it as well as the parents did. Yeah. And, and Wonder Woman and Batman had this whole plan to basically save the world and restore order. And, you know, Batman calls Wonder Woman and says, go find Clark. And she's like, well, no one knows where he is. And Bruce is like, you know where he is. Yeah. I, I know you do. Yeah. And, of course, you find out that he's been seeing what's been going on. He's been watching the world, but he's like, they don't need us anymore. And she's like, yes, they do. So uh, that that's a really great influential comment because that leads, I think, to a much darker DC universe. Right. And, um, and basically, we see what happens with Superman. What happens when Superman gets a, gets disillusioned with being who he is? Right. And you read in there how he retreats back to the thing that because, like, he, if you recall, you've heard him say in comics or in animated series, 
I can't be Superman 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I go crazy. In Kingdom Come, what does he do? He becomes the one thing that gave him peace. He followed in his father's footsteps right. and led us to believe that he was a farmer, but he wasn't. That, there is such a great scene in that. Uh, there, there's some comic scenes that just always stick with you. And there's a great one where he's in his overalls and he's a farmer. And he's telling Diana, you know, things grow here. You know, it's not like everything else. And she goes, really? And she reaches out and touches the illusionary wall. And you see that the Midwest is just devastated by mm -hmm. his fight with Gog. And you're just like, okay, then. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go back and read that. I have that somewhere. I'm going to have to go back and read that again. Uh, I'm pretty certain that uh, you can find a trade paperback at our local comic shop. Oh, uh, yes, and you can find... <laughs> <You> can. <laughs> yep, and uh, if I may make a recommendation, get the updated one that has, that has an actual script to, I think, the first issue in there so you get a feel of what Mark Wade was putting down when he was relaying this to Alex Ross. Right. So, whose turn is it? Is it, is it Enos? Yeah. Enos. I've lost track. I'm going to allude to to a couple, but I'm going to focus on one. There was a, one one run, two runs that was very influential to me was when we saw two sub uh, two degree lower tier characters or supporting characters get get big get top billing big time. That was Frank Miller's run on Daredevil and Walt Simons's run on Thor. These two gentlemen took two characters who basically had a quote-unquote cult following. They would, because Thor really, his, his big, big following was in the Avengers. You bought your, you, Thor was kind of, the Thor solo book was kind of like when you went to 7-Eleven and you was in the mood for some, a Slurpee. You didn't get a Slurpee all the time. You only picked up one when you were in the mood for it. That's how I was with Thor. Same thing with Daredevil. But what Frank Miller did with Daredevil, what Walter Simonson did with Thor, was so fantastic to the point that once they reached that level, they never faded. So I was kind of quietly snickering to myself here because I, I had a parallel that came to mind. And this is going to be horrible. Thor was the Wonder Woman of Avengers. Yeah. You, you read Avengers if he was in it, but you didn't read his book. Yeah. Just like Wonder Woman. You would read it Justice League, but you wouldn't read Wonder Woman. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Now, the one I really want to harp on that really influenced me personally is the gentleman that's on my chest, The Death of Captain Marvel. Yeah. That's a good one, too. That was a big one for me. The re Superheroes do not die from cancer. Right, they get taken down they by get, the big They go down in Mortal Kombat after being mortally wounded in, in, um, with their arch enemy, Jim Starlin, with that one that. book. I had to do the product placement, sorry. Jim Starlin changed all of that with that one book. I was a senior in high school and had no idea what the hell I was going to do. And the finality of that part of my life was really messing with me until I went to, of all places, Geppy's Comic World in Silver Spring, Maryland, and I bought The Death of Captain Marvel. Now, this was in 1984. Mm -hmm. This book was on its sixth printing at that time. Oh, yeah. It, it was that good of a book. And I read my that book, and I, I read that 
especially at the last few pages in his last battle with Thanos. And that book actually scared the living hell out of me because the finality of everything was just so evident. But then at the end of all people, Thanos, who truly is, is the villainous of the villains when it comes to villains. I think he's probably the most villainous of any villain in the DC universe. The most villainous of any villain. Yeah. I mean, because... The villainous villain that ever villain. Because he don't give a damn about nothing. The guy that Josh Brolin played in the movies, that was an insult to Thanos. I said it. (laughs) I said it. it. Fair enough. He was an insult to Thanos because the reason why I say he was an insult, Josh Brolin's Thanos was likable. Oh, yeah. Thanos when you read Thanos, guy. you are wanting somebody to whoop his butt. The way Stalin wrote him, there was nothing likable about him. That's why I said, like Tommy said, he is the villainous of the villain who ever villained. Because he was a villain in every sense of the world. Word. There was nothing redeemable about him. No. And and um and how ironic Stalin gave him an opportunity to redeem himself by showing Marvel that this after this there's something else. And that's how the book ends. There's all there's another level. I think the lesson is life is a journey. When one journey ends, you go to another level and start another. Like say, you know, we're both working at the same place. The day is going to come where we're going to say goodbye to that place. Yep. The next journey, the the, the next level is the next journey. And well, that's well, what we happened talk- with Captain Marvel. We, we've talked about this book before, too, when we talked about the, uh, about the comic books that made us cry. That was one yeah. of my topics. Because yeah. I'm not going to lie, it made me cry. It was, it was a great book. And it really, it really hit me hard. And and so. if I may add, and, and I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to say any more, I really felt that he was thoroughly disrespected in Captain Marvel. He, he deserved far more respect and much more and a far better treatment than what he got in that movie. And I will, and I absolutely refuse to spend one dime or waste my time watching it because this was an opportunity for Marvel to really give this guy an opportunity to shine and uh, usher in a whole new legion of fans. When did we bring the soapbox in here? Huh. Okay. And, they, and, and they dropped the ball, ran over. So I have one. You're actually going to, I think you're actually going to like this because I was, uh, Olivia, I was actually talking to your dad about this today. Um, this, this book... Um, and this actually, this whole this whole series, uh, um, for me, I felt was very influential, not only to me as a comic fan, but in the world of comics itself. Because this was the first time in all the years that I've been collecting that I saw comic books make national news. Mm. It was showing up on, like, you know, the 6 o'clock news that night. Uh, suddenly, people who weren't in a comic, like my parents and friends of mine, were asking me about the storyline. Um, you know, is this really happening? And I'm like, how did you hear about that? And they're like, it's been all over the news. Mm. Um, it was in newspapers and in magazines. I remember. Uh, and oh, this yeah. is, of course, the death of Superman. 
My aunt owned a copy of Superman 75. Absolutely. Everybody was getting their hands on Superman 75. Uh, and so here's what's kind of really funny about it. Uh, the bottom line is Superman sales just weren't there. They, you know, they were very dismal. And let's be honest, for years, Superman sales were always bad. Uh, I think they're even bad now. You know, they, yeah. they, they had a the thing where they do something really big, the sales go up, they started back in the status quo, and everybody who jumped on the book abandons it. Um, but the way this came about is at the same time, uh, they used to do a Superman summit every year to discuss what are we going to do with Superman because they had four titles going and they wanted to make sure all the writers stay together. Um, and Jerry Ordway, who was writing Superman, made a joke about let's just kill him and everybody's laughing, ha, 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 right? You know what are we going to do? And they came up with the idea, okay, well, him and Lois are engaged. Let's get them married in issue 500 of Adventures of Superman. That was the plan. All right, good. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. Um, and then ABC had Lois and Clark new Adventures of Superman. And... Jeanette Kahn, the president over there at DC, along with Mike Carlin, the editor of Superman books, and ABC wanted what was happening in the comics to parallel the show. So they didn't want the wedding in the comics to happen until they were ready for it in a TV show. The TV show was way off, was way oh my God, was a long yeah. ways from getting to that point. So they were basically told, nix the wedding, don't do it. Suddenly, all the writers... and. This was like Jerry Ordway, Dan Jurgens, Roger, Roger Stern, and Louis Simonson. These are big names even then, writing the Superman books. We're now like, well, that's a whole year of those stories that you just took away from us. Yeah. So now what do we do? They had in their summit. And Jerry, Ed, Jerry, Jerry Ordway, Ordway said, once again, well, let's kill him. And Mark Carlin, nobody left. And Mike Carlin went, okay, then what? And that's where it went. Um, now, the reason I say this is such an influential book, one of the reasons that Superman was tanking in sales is the the trend in comics then were the dark characters, the gritty characters, Punisher, Spawn, the, the characters who you know were violent. They were they got their hands dirty, and Superman was still living Boy, as the the version of the seventies movie first. You know the the good guy who put himself above everyone else. Everyone was supposed to look up to him. So DC knew that well we can't have Brainiac kill him. We can't have Luther kill him. These guys have been trying for, what, 60 years at that mm. time? And goes, we can't have a guy who hasn't been able to be able to, to kill him in 60 years suddenly step up and do it. So they created a new character, Doomsday. And here's where I'm saying that DC was telling all the comic book readers this, and you guys never noticed, that he died by the same um, token that the books were dying. Mindless violence that had no meaning. Wow. And, and so many people don't get that that's what DC was saying. He didn't die. Of course, he died saving the world. But it was just a simple slugfest. There was no real character motivation there. It was just... All it was. All it was was, you like the dark and gritty? Here's your dark and gritty. And if We you, didn't kill Superman. You did. You did. And and what is so great about that, I love the... the, the second chances are a wonderful thing. Because in the DC animated universe, the very first movie they put out was Superman Doomsday, which smelled. It didn't stink. It smelled. But they've redone it now. But, and that's what I'm saying. But they redid that and they captured that very essence of what you were talking about. 
And you can now, and that's on sale at Walmart now for nineteen ninety nine. And you get a little steel figure to go <laughs> you with plug it. Plug in Walmart, really? Hey, man. Plug in Walmart. Hey, look. I'm, hey, look. I'm I'm trying to look up for my collectors trying to who've been trying to look for this thing <laughs> because now you can get the get instead of getting the death of Superman and then the reign of the Superman, you can now get everything in one feature length film. Which why DC does that, I don't know, but they do. And, and and it's even better when it's in the full feature length because there were some things I missed in those two by watching that that one. But um, I think one of the things that, and we talked about this before, that you got out of the death of Superman storyline, you finally see where he gets his personality from. You, we find out who we we see who he really is, and there's this wonderful scene that's written by Louise Simonson, which is an exchange between Ma Kent and Lois on the heels of his death. And to this day, she still cries when she talks about that. And it was just like how she's just lost her son. The woman has Lois has lost the man she loved. But Ma Kent is so strong and trying to comfort her. She doesn't shed a tear. She doesn't get lose her cool or not hysterical or anything. Right. And 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 I think that was one one of the best scenes in comics. Well, that whole the whole series that the death of Superman, the funeral for a friend, and the reign of the Superman. Because again, you didn't just have the outside people coming into the comic store and say, "Hey, they're killing Superman. I have to read this." I grew up with this character. I can't believe they're doing it. Uh, comic book readers, guys who hadn't touched Superman in years, were suddenly wanting to read the book. Right. Now, unfortunately, those ingrates all left after everything got resolved and right. put back to normal. But uh, it was DC's way of saying, you guys don't care about Superman. How about when he's not here? Right. Um, and as you, you know, you talk about it. I think that the death of Superman may have been my first exposure to DC Comics. I, I was a a very big time Marvel guy prior to that. And I think that may have been the first actual DC comic storyline I read was the death of Superman. Right. Uh, but yeah, so good show guys. We are actually out of time. We're going to have to expand the format, I think here mm -hmm. soon. Uh, but before we go, just want to uh, shout out Madman has got shock monkey radio every Tuesday from six to seven here on FXBG public radio. We do have our Facebook page, obviously facebook.com slash lost in a long box. Uh, contact us at Gmail. We would love to hear from you. Lost in a long box at gmail.com. Uh, we do have our Facebook groups as well that Enos manages, um, which are going leaps and bounds. Uh, Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever, Realm of Superheroes, Com Pop, bleh. Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, and gather together the greatest superhero teams. And don't forget, Olivia and her uh, dad, Ed, Gateway Comics and Toys, tons of new stuff, great uh, back issues, trade paperbacks, toys. Go in and see them. They would much appreciate it. Um, tell them we sent you, too. Because and if, you, if you're so willing, then Ed will let you buy my books for me. So until next week. There you go. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Have a nice night. Good Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.